evening, Demon fans, and welcome back to the Demon Lab podcast. My name is Andy, and the Demons have claimed another piece of silverware in the form of the 2023 preseason cup, going undefeated and on top of the ladder on percentage after the two matches. There is only 12 days to go until our 2023 premiership campaign begins, and I can't wait to get back to the G to cheer on the Ds. Joining me tonight to discuss our final practice match against the Tigers is our resident tactician, Bin Man. Good evening, Bin Man. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, Demon Landers. Um, I'm feeling it. Uh, it's a couple of weeks away, getting super excited now. I'm, I'm really, really excited about this season. After, as I said last week, um, you know, after sort of having a bit of a break from footy um, over the summer. So um, one of the bonuses about the way that they've organised this practice season is um, the and with the uh, gather round, 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 is that footy starts a week early. Yeah, yeah it does. Um, I didn't realise that. Um, B-Man, your connection, you're going in a little bit in and out then. Uh, let's hope it... Um, it can stabilise. Uh, if not, we'll get you to reconnect shortly. I can see your pictures moving again, so that's a good sign. Um, George is still away, uh, but we'll be back uh, next week to join us for our season preview show where we'll give our thoughts about the Ds and analyse our biggest contenders and give our predictions for the coming season. We'll also take your questions, so jump on demonland.com and look for the season preview podcast thread. If you want to leave us a voicemail question or comment about the season preview, please give us a call on 0390163666, 0390163666. And don't worry, during the week, nobody answers, so you don't have to speak to anyone. You can also call that number tonight if you actually do want to speak with a person. That's Bin Man and myself. And you can make a comment, ask a question, 0390163666. Or you can join us in our chat room at demonland.com slash podcast. And a little bit of uh, promotion for the podcast. On Thursday morning, I'll be interviewing one of Demonland's sponsored players, Brody Grundy. And I'm really looking forward to having a one-on-one -on -one chat with him. There's a lot to talk to him about on the eve of the new season. If you have a question for Brody, please post it in the podcast thread that we've got on demonland.com that's promoting the interview. I'm interviewing him on the Thursday and I haven't decided whether I'll re-broadcast that live on the website on the Thursday night or just release it into the wild sometime on Thursday and you can find that where all good podcasts are sold. So stay tuned for that interview with Brody uh, a bit later in the week. Um, but let's get into the wrap-up of this match. Um, when you play a couple of practice matches, you want to see a few things and you want to see some improvement or changes from the previous season. You want to see some good form. You want to see us unearth a couple of players. And most importantly, you want to get through the games unscathed. And I think we seem to have ticked off all of those things in, in these two practice match it, uh, matches. The, the Viney injury at training notwithstanding. The Ds, they stamped their authority on this contest very early with the Twin Towers, Max Gorn and Brody Grundy. If there was any doubt as to whether this scintillating combination can work, then you need only look no further than the two games, albeit pre-season matches, that these two have already been paired in. Last week, it was 35 hitouts and three goals. This week, whilst having less hitouts than their opponents, they've combined for six goals between them, three apiece. 
uh, a combined 27 disposals and 11 marks. And even if you were to get a fraction of that uh, combination each week, particularly in front of the goals, you'd be pretty wrapped. And the Ds have been threatening in the midfield throughout this shortened preseason. And even with the absence of the injured Jack Viney, there were plenty of helping hands assisting in the dominance of Clayton Oliver and Christian Petrarca. Harms, Cozzy, Sparrow, Nibbler all spent time rotating through the guts. Add to that the total domination on the wings by our other dynamic duo in Ed Langdon and Lockie Hunter with their crisp, clean ball movement and lots of gut running in that Casey heat. All of this gave our forwards and whoever the resting ruck was some very good supply. The rejuvenated Tom McDonald was also able to chip in with three goals of his own whilst our small forwards took their opportunities and hit the scoreboard too. Our rock-solid defence were unstoppable, holding another um, uh, team to just 70 points. The Tools in May, Lever and Petty were marking and intercepting up a storm. And the standout defender for me this week was Jake Bowie with 19 disposals at 100% disposal efficiency by hand and foot. And that's just elite numbers. Uh, the Demons were far too strong for a near full-strength Tigers list, coming away victors by 50 points. So another pre-season comes to an end and we set our sights for round one and the Bulldogs on the MCG. But before we get into that, we have a number of questions from our fans who have left questions on our podcast thread on demonland.com. And we also have a question uh, that a caller has left uh, on our voicemail. Uh, before we get into that, B-Man, do you have any quick takeaways uh, you want uh, to mention about our match? Uh, just that uh, a couple of things. There's one I was a bit um, surprised how strong that side was. I was saying last week that um, I thought they would rest some of the senior players. It wasn't the strongest side that they could have um, put on the field because um, we had Hibbo and JJ running around in the uh, and JVR in the um, in the warm up game, the Casey game. Um, but it wasn't really a simulation. It was a full match, practice match, wasn't it? Um, proper rules. I think the, the bench was, you know, the rule was in place um, and they had the full Fox crew down there. And I, just the other takeaway really briefly, um, did, did I see on Demonland that you went? You yeah, go? yeah, I did. It was a last minute decision. I, I think I said to you after last week's show that I wasn't going and I made sort of a, a decision at about one thirty, two o'clock uh, to get down there. And I was actually hoping to get there for the twos and I got there like an hour early, but the game had already finished. Right. Um, the the reason I was asked, I was wondering about the atmosphere because on the television, it looked fantastic. You know, it, same it, as Moorabbin last week. I mean, it's how keen are people for footy? They looked like there was five to 10,000, maybe not 10,000. Oh, it was, looked like there was 5,000 people. Yeah, there. I'm not a good judge with crowds, but it was, cho- if you've ever been to Casey, it was chock-a-block. Uh, there was barely... Uh, room to move. Um, yeah, so, it looked yeah, at it, like that on the It looked like a real um, footy atmosphere too. So um, suburban footy is alive and well, at least in the um, simulation slash practice match pre-season season. Yeah, it was good. It would have been nice like uh, if the club could have benefited in a way. It was free and obviously that's nice yeah. and people got their kids along and family. So obviously it's a nice thing to not charge people. But uh, yeah, it would, would have been nice to, to make some money out of that. But there were a lot of Tigers there. I thought they outnumbered us uh, in, in terms of fans. So I'm not sure what our demographics out that way are, but there seemed to be more Tigers there. Well, we'll get into this as we uh, talk, but they might have outnumbered us crowd-wise, but they didn't outnumber us at the fall of the ball. And that was, for me, the takeaway of the match was our gut running was incredible. And as I talked about last week, it was, you know, outnumbering them in um, defence, losing the ball, you know, turning it over off the opposition, getting a 
back up to our offense and being able to outnumber up them up there as well. So, um, it, you know, it was a terrific performance in terms of, of that running and just the, the, the full team defense was spot on. They, they, Tigers, who run much, you know, a similar model that we've built ours on, looked all at sea in terms of their ability to transition. They didn't have to say didn't punish us on our turnovers when we did it. I didn't think, but um, you know, so often they got a sort of messy kick inside fifty only for us to clean it up. So uh, very, very impressive all around, really. Yeah, I sort of wonder. Um, I know we we were pretty. Um, we've gone in with our, our best available team. Um, well, except for JJ and Hibber. I mean, Laurie, probably in that team, Laurie's not going to be playing and nor is Woden. Yeah, no, um, I, un- I understand that. But uh, it was pretty we – were, we were obviously just giving uh, those guys a go and seeing how they how they went. And we'll probably talk about that a bit later on because we've got uh, some questions uh, about how they performed uh, in the match. But, uh, yeah, I just don't, I don't know where Richmond are in their program, whether, you know, obviously they went in with a pretty strong team but whether they were taking it seriously, as serious as we seem to take it, that I don't know. Um, I'm not suggesting that they didn't take it seriously, but um, well, yeah, I just yeah, don't know what they're... Say that because I, I think they did, and, and I'm the same with the Saints, and they lifted their pressure after halftime again, same as the Saints. I just I, I just think they couldn't go with us was my feeling. Like I would be a bit worried if I was a Tigers fan because... You know they're not really in a position to ease into the um, to the season. I wouldn't have thought. And you know, if it was a fitness test, we won that particular test. So um, I would be, you know, not thrilled um, if I was, you know, how they're looking if I was a Tigers fan. There were a few Tigers fans around me that didn't seem too pleased, and I reckon if they didn't have those three premierships to hang around their their neck, that they would be burning memberships uh, left, right, and centre. Uh, well, let's uh, let's get into the listener questions, and we'll start with our voicemail mail caller uh, Noah. So here we go. Hey guys, this is just Noah here. Just a question around Melbourne this year in 2023. I just wanted for your opinion to rate on how you are going to view our forward line this year, and what are your feelings around the prospects around JVR and how well you'll go this year. And before you answer that, Bin Man, Demon Lander Lazy asks a similar question. Uh, should we be blooding JVR early slash getting Shaki in the mix as it's probably more likely than unlikely that T-Mac and Benny Brown won't be able to play all games this season? So, Bin Man, what are your thoughts on getting JVR games early and perhaps getting Shaki into the mix? Do we get these guys in early or wait until the wheels fall off uh, with injury or something if they even do? Uh, like I don't think they'll be looking to get anyone in early. I mean, uh, like I said at this time, this same time last year, the first six weeks of a footy season are critical. You've got to bank those wins. Um, we did last year. It sets you up for the full season in terms of finishing top four. Um, you know, the first six, seven rounds are critical. We've got a tough, you know, tough first three, four games. Uh, one of them, um, they won't be playing any games with selection. Uh, it will be best best player available um, and they certainly, you know, it'll be interesting as the season goes, um, you know, goes on in terms of that question that came up last year will come up again. Do you rest players like Maxi? They've sort of, um, they've put on the agenda that that's something they might look to do. Um, probably Brown is the one of those two because he's got that chronic knee injury, but you wouldn't think that they would be even thinking about 
managing or resting anyone until closer to the mid-season buy. And even then, history would suggest that they're not, you know, Goody's not keen on doing that anyway. Um, but there's been, and we'll, we'll probably touch on them through the, the show tonight, but there's been a few sort of differences this year, hasn't there, that they've, you know, maybe it's on the back of their review they did where, um, you know, they're doing things slightly different um, and that might be one of them. But the, you know, I can't say there'd be any chance that they'd be looking to gift Shacky or um, JVR a game to give um, Brown and uh, McDonald a chop out. Um, it'll be best available is the goody mantra and why wouldn't it be? So, you know, really critical. Um, in terms of that mix, the, the, the question from the caller from Stu, the, um, I mean, I think that's, um, oh, Noah, I should say, um, you know, I think it's a really good mix and I, I'm really hoping that the indication from the, um, the way that game was umpired um, flows through to the senior, uh, to the um, season proper um, because we were getting those arm chops and holds uh, except the one poor old Judd McBay didn't get <laughs> but up forward um, you know we even got a couple of ones that I thought were a little bit ticky touch wood where yeah, you know, McDonald yeah. got one where he just kicked that was such a beautiful kick um, Brown got a couple you know those two those um, players particularly late in quarters when teams tire if you know with the way that they've got the umpires and I think the extra umpire on that 50 metre arc looking into the contest is going to be huge for us with our four, basically a four tall setup with, um, you know, the the two bigs, McDonald and Brown, and then you've got Maxi and um, uh, Grundy rolling through there. They're going to be hard to not give away freeze. And um, so that's going to be, you know, a, a big boon for us. I think the other thing with um, Brown and, you know, the question about JBR is I can't really see JBR coming in for Brown as such that they'll play slightly different roles. That's the, the four, the, those three, two talls and the resting Ruckman really stretches the opposition defence height-wise. You've got to put a tall player on them, otherwise they'll um, eat you up. But I can see JBR playing T-Max role, that high up and down the ground running. They rucked him a bit in Casey last year, so, you know, they'll get him around the ball. So, you know, if someone does need to come out for, you know, resting or whatever, I, I could see Brown, uh, sorry, um, JBR coming in for McDonald, whether that be injury or... Um, but at the moment, I reckon JBR is going to have to cool his jets and Shaki's even behind Shaki's even behind JBR. So um, we've gone from not having any down there this year to uh, last year to a surfeit of uh, riches. So hopefully um, it translates to scoreboard. Yeah, uh, look, I, I, I was very bullish in the preseason on JVR. I really liked what I saw of him down at training. Uh, but I think we, we have to probably cool our jets on him because even if he does come in, I, I think we all expect that he's going to, out of the blocks, be this amazing player. But, um, you know, I think we need to temper our expectations. It'll take him a while to, uh, as all a lot of big men, uh, takes a while for them to, to hit their strides. So... Uh, you know, even though I wanted last year, but we ne had necessity at the end of the year because we didn't really have the the players. Uh, but yeah, I think with T Mac and Betty Brown, I think we've just got to temper the yeah. expectation. And the other thing about JVR is a bit is you know playing. Uh, Goody loves to um, play players to their strengths, and as I say, he's he's a, almost like a classic old school full forward, isn't mm. he? The way he plays, and yep. um, and Brown isn't, you know, in that sense. Um, so, you know, um, but that, that they've got a really interesting sort of development question as the season goes on because they want to get game time into him, don't they? So, you know, there's the question of how we use the 23rd man. Um, you know, we don't, we haven't used the sub, we haven't used a big for that role, but 
you know, he's relatively flexible. He rucked a bit at Casey. He can play high half forward. Um, you know, McDonald can go back. If a defender goes down, he can come on and McDonald can go back. So he can cover a few. He can cover the sort of half forward, a fritter position. So he can cover a few. But, you know, um, if history's any guide, Goody prefers, you know, a player like JJ who can play yeah. sort of on the half back and go into the midfield and a bit more flexibility. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I, we'll talk about it next week in the, in a preview show. But I think... Um, we're going to utilise that 23rd man with a player like JJ or that type of player that has a bit more flexibility. Um, I don't think we'll see a big man as that um, as that player. But, uh, you know, perhaps maybe it could be him, but we'll see. All right, um, Noah also called in with another question regarding playing injured players, and I guess it relates to that article in The Age where Max admitted that he almost missed the do-or-die semi-final last year against the Lions with a painful hip injury, and then he won a reprieve. Um, there's also a discussion in a thread on Demonland about this, but I think we'll hold that over until our season preview show because it relates to something that probably cost us late in the season last year and hopefully this season we better manage our players, particularly those that are injured, so that history doesn't repeat itself. Um, so, Noah, we'll, uh, we'll get to that. I'll keep that. I've, I've saved it and we'll keep it uh, for next week. Um RPFC says, a general comment, uh, but you can agree or disagree. The inclusion of Pickett, Rivers, Spargo, and to a lesser, ex- a lesser extent Sparrow into midfield rotations and stoppage structures indicates a natural maturation of those players and of the footy department to avoid the sins of last year where we seemingly had depth but no adaptability or flexibility of the roles that those depth players could play. And before you answer that, big man, Lefty also says uh, there is certainly merit in spreading the midfield load uh, around so as not to burn out th- our three stars, Track, Clary and Vines. But how confident are you in our second and third tier mids that it won't be costly against some of the contenders? Granted, we won't be going in with many all no-name brand centre bounce attendances, but we don't want to be robbing Peter to pay Paul. And Roger Melly. He echoes this thought. Can you please uh, discuss the midfield function generally and more specifically how the non-regulars performed in the middle? Cozzy, Harms, Sparrow, A&B, Rivers, Spargo, Brayshaw and whoever else was in there. I see a bit of a gulf between the regulars and the rest, although Cozzy could be anything. So, big man, what do you think about our second and third tier mids? Uh, are you confident in their ability to hold their own against some of the competition's best? And I assume we won't be playing an entire second or third tier mid rotation together at one time. But individually, are you happy with what you've seen this preseason from the yeah, second working, and third tiers? Yeah, working back from, I mean, the original question from um, RPFC, the. Yeah. I, I really like them rolling through there and it's sort of an example of what I was saying before of um, the coaching staff and Goody, you know, trying some different things. I think he's unfairly criticised over his journey at Melbourne for being stuck in it. and if you go back and think he's actually really um, prepared to try different things, even back to his first year with that diamond um, off the half-back flank that proceeded, that was, you know, taken off the table when they went to 666. But... Um, you know, he, that's certainly what Geelong did last year. Um, uh, so what I wouldn't necessarily agree with is the sort of notion that it was covering the sins as such. I mean, he had a sort of particular philosophy. But, 
the sort of linking those questions together is that you know it's the setup in they're so critical the clearances and and there's a lot of emphasis on the center clearances but really it's the stoppages and I note that we actually lost clearances overall but critically um, we won the around the ground stoppages and they're really critical to the way we play footy um, so that they're important in the mix too but people of you know often focus on the center bounce because everyone can see the setup um, really clearly. Um, what I'd say with, you know, all of those rotations, there's complexities with it. You've got a new Ruckman and Grundy in the mix as well. You know, it's sort of, I don't think it's Goody's um, style to implement something mid-season that they haven't had six or seven weeks of pre-season to train it and drill it. Um, you know, last year, for instance, Rivers wasn't in shape to be able to be a midfield player. I really love Cozzy going through there. Um, partly, as I said last week, it means he's going to move from averaging eight, nine, ten possessions a game to up 15, 20, and you could sort of see some of his kicking. It was just sublime um, on uh, the weekend. So you get him up around the ball, and he's just so creative. Um, you know, the, a lot of work would have to go into those combinations because each combination would have to practice it um, at training and get the drills right and probably actually away from prying eyes, probably inside you know, where they, they train setups and, and, you know, they've got, as I said, they've got Grundy in the mix. Um, it is a big difference because, you know, in terms of philosophically, because that, um, you know, the triumphant of Viney, Track and Oliver must have come to 80% of the bounces last year. Um, so, you know, just on those players, Rivers is the one that I don't think looks a natural sort of midfield. He didn't have as good a game this week. He, he didn't play, he barely played in the midfield at all. He went to one centre bounce um yeah, and his kicking's a bit sketchy too. And so, you know, the midfielders, when you've got average kicking, they're, they're around the ball, obviously. And so, you know, they're in attacking parts where, where the ball is. So, the um, you know, I'm not a huge fan on that. I thought Nibbler was brilliant all day. He had a fantastic day. And some of his kicking um, was just fantastic. Um, you know, it was interesting watching him um, in the midfield. He looked like he was playing a slightly defensive role. So I, I guess they'll all have their own specific roles within it. Um, and, I, you know, I think it's as much as anything to, yes, they've talked about keeping the, the three guns fresh, but I wonder whether part of it too is to keep the opposition thinking a bit about how do you manage this because they will have all had their plans, you know, rock, sort of written in stone from last year about how they manage Viney and Track and Oliver you know, throw that mix and suddenly they've got to do some different thinking about it. And in particular, um, Cozzy, I think he's the real, to be honest, he's the real X factor in there um, who the opposition coaches really do have to think about, you know, how they're going to manage his, um, you know, the way he plays in the middle. The rest, not so much, but I I wonder whether they're, um, you know, the, it's really, you know, like Nibbler playing a defensive role. Harms was playing defensive role. The other thing that I'd, you know, I'd love to get some insight in from, um, you know, some of the posters who have got a, a footy background in terms of the setup is, is where they stand at the centre bounces. So, you know, that that actual setup is something that they must spend hours trying to work out. Um, you know, around the clock face, twelve o'clock, six o'clock, three and nine, that sort of thing. Um, you know that. That's not something you can just go into the season and make up as you go. They will have had to spend a lot of time working through all of that. Um, some of those, you know, I think that's a reasonable point about the maturation. Someone like, you know, Rivers is now into his, what, is his fourth season? Yeah. His, uh, yeah, fourth 20, season. So, you know, they're starting to get experienced players. player like Nibbler is so disciplined. Um, you know, he'll play the role that he's um, being asked to do. 
Um, you know, Sparrow, he had, after being quiet last week, he had a great game and he's got a very Viney-like ability and track-like ability to collect the ball standing still and hold off an opposition and still get the boot to ball. And he did that a couple of times, um, you know, so I think he's really, you know, I mean, he was in the midfield last year. I think he's a, a, an important player, um, particularly with Viney not in the team. And he kicked a goal as well, which we, we love midfielders goals. that kick goals. Um, whilst we're on the midfield, Viper Crunch asks, um, what did you think of Oliver swapping into a role across half back to allow Gus midfield minutes? I think we all expected the midfield to forward rotation with track and Cozzy, but the Gus slash Clary one was a surprise, but it looked effective to me. Bim man, what are your thoughts on Oliver as a defender? Are we likely to see him in defense or was this just a typical preseason throw the magnets around the board type of move? I, I must say I didn't really notice him play in defense. <laughs> I didn't either. Until I saw that, <laughs> that question. So Yeah, I saw that question and didn't you know, there'd be no reason why he, I mean he's a smart footballer, isn't he? He's an old school footballer in the sense he's got high footy IQ. There's no reason why Oliver couldn't, you know, chop out someone on the halfback flank and do a reasonable job, but as a general thing, I'd rather Gus back there and Oliver <laughs> in the centre, to be perfectly honest. And, and I thought we had, I forget the number, but um, it was maybe 20 or something intercept marks between Oliver, uh, between Gus, um, Petty and um, Lever and May. Uh, might have even been more, might have been 29 or something. But, uh, you know, just, uh, and he's really important and was in 21 um, and in the first half of last year of um, marking down back and intercepting. So I actually really like Gus. I'm happy for him to stay on the halfback flank, to be perfectly honest. Um, D Old Fart says, as an interstater, I could only watch the game on TV. Uh, while there are some standout, while there were some standout players for me, they were Track, Max, Maisie, Nibbler, Hunter, and Bowser. The aspects that impressed me most were how well our boys seemed to be on the same page, and how even we appeared across the field, and how fit we seemed to be compared to the Tigers. Are these reasonable observations? And if so, how well does it place us for what is a very tough draw in the early part of the season? Uh, in my opinion, with the draw we have, it would be a great indicator of how far we can go in 2023, barring significant injuries, if we are three zip after three games. Um, uh, I think they're great observations. I, I absolutely 100% agree. Um, we, I mean, first of all, we just... I keep saying it, we look incredibly fit um, and we were fitter than the Tigers who, I mean, in the context where both both clubs have just done their pre-season um, you know, block and so, you know, the Tigers are a team that, like us, depend on the fitness of their players to be able to outnumber at you know, the ball, the drop of the ball um, and they just look like they couldn't go with us. Um, but I think um, that about the synergy and the the energy i think that's that's really true is they they do look on the same page there were quite a few examples of some pretty neat handballs look away not quite look away handballs but you know handballs to space basically um which is something that's interesting because they're not doing those long handballs that i talked about last season nearly as much but and they seem to try and avoid, if they can, the short, sharp handballs, but there were a number of chains where we linked up and, you know, um, that's been really evident and also so is the kicking. So there's been a number of times both kicking to leading spots 
um, that are obviously well drilled. You've been to training, I haven't been to training, but all the reports from the track watchers and yourself are that it's a really, really energised team. There's lots of laughter. There's lots of good vibes. Um, you know, there's real positive attitude, it seems to me. So I think that point about them being on the same page is fantastic. Um, it's a really good point. And, and the final comment I'd make about um, that question or comment is that uh, I really like the fact that we've got a tough beginning to the season um, because... It means that, you know, and, and there's a question about this later and we'll, so, you know, we'll talk about it then a little bit more, but, um, you know, I, I think it sets us up well for the season to get these games out. And even if we were happen to lose one, you know, who knows, that may not be such a negative, um, you know, but again, the, those first five, six games are so critical for all clubs. You're not going to make top four if you don't go, you know, you know, something like 4-2 in those um, weeks or it's going to be difficult, maybe, you know, maybe not is too extreme, but it's going to be very difficult. Oh, you've just made my uh, MFCSS uh, flare up a little bit. Uh, we talk about n- us having to be four and two. Now you got me. Well, uh, you know, four and two. Like, my anxiety is the way it is, didn't it? You've got to, it's every year, basically, you know, the, the top eight is pretty much set by the mid, you know, by round 10. Um, and it's important for, but I think it's good for us because it gives us the opportunity straight away to to test ourselves, and they, they seem to be, which is sort of the energy they were talking. They seem to be looking for that. Um, and you know, my sense was Dazzle Dave on pod, uh, sorry on Demonland noted that we appeared to be a couple of levels above the Tigers, and I thought exactly the same thing. In fact, I thought St Kilda were in some ways, you know, better than the Tigers um, to some extent. Um, you know, the Tigers have a game plan. It's pretty similar to ours in um, philosophically. It's about territory, but we just didn't let them play their game. They look like they were playing catch-up the whole time and the amount of times they kicked into us, I mean, uh, uh, you know, they know what we the game we play. They know that we have a spare in defence. They know that they can't be kicking dump kicks into our forward line because we'll just intercept Mark and bounce off the halfback flank. And yet they still were unable to stop doing it. And that's a big part of that is the, you know, our ability at stoppages and clearances to put pressure on them. And that's what we weren't doing so well last year. Um, But, you know, we seem to be right, really switched on and um, putting pressure on every single kick. Um, And just while I think of it, you know, there were a couple of examples of that um, nibbler who's, Right near the end of the game, there were three, four, I think even like a fourth effort. It was incredible. The game's dead. It was hot. You know, he's still throwing himself in, tackling, smothering, getting the next ball, kicking out, and we finally scored on that play. Um, and the other one, similarly, is Max. You know, like at one point near the end of the game, diving across um, the mark to, to smother from, you know, Nankervis, I think, was kicking and he sort of dived across and touched it. He's, he, uh, the, the commentators noted it. I mean, that's just inspirational stuff from the skipper. A 3183D say, uh, says um, the in-depth analysis of the podcast is so much appreciated. The pods are getting better and better. Thank you. Uh, it would be great if you could somehow get Goody on to have a chat with Bimman about the loading and tactics theory. I'm sure he wouldn't give away much anyway, but would be fascinating to hear how close you guys are in your observations. And yeah, I would uh, love to interview Goody, uh, MFC, if you're listening. Uh, yeah, let's get Goody on. But I think Binman would probably prefer to interview Selwyn Griffiths to ask about the loading because I think he's he's the man to ask in that sense. Um, he is, and what I will say though on that is that you know what I've heard is that he's Selwyn Griffith is flogged him. 
Totally yep. flogged him. Flogged him last year and he's gone up a notch this year. And, um, you know, that it goes back to saying, we do, you know, we look incredibly fit. We look fitter than the two teams we've played. Um, you know, that's uh, – and we will, there's a question about this later, isn't there, about, you know, the intensity has been such a theme. Mm. Um, the implication being, for me, that maybe – you know, wasn't there at the beginning of last season or not where it needed to be. Um, but, you know, as the question we'll touch on later suggests is that it's a long season. So, you know, um, it, it'll be interesting to see, but we 100% look fit and ready to go, that's mm. for sure. And critically, as I said last week, we haven't had – we've hardly had any players, maybe there's Smith and there's one or two others, who haven't got their full training block in in mm. January, February and say, you know, I think um, – I remember a few years ago there's data around X percentage of sessions basically, which is like 95% of, of every session um, completed at, at a minimum to get all of the um, the sort of basic down that you need to do to get prepared for the season. And even Viney with his injury, that came right at the end of the big training block. So he should be, you know, good to go. Same with Salem in terms of, that's probably the other one, but, um, you know, he would have got all his kilometres in his legs, hopefully. Um, um, so we'll be fit coming come season. Uh, 3183D also says, um, I only saw a replay of the game, but it looked as if our kicking had improved greatly, but also the movement by hand. Do you think this is a continuation of the long handball theory from the back end of last year? You, but you've just mentioned you don't think we are. Uh, handball yeah. as much? Well, I, I mean, one of the things that happened last year, I think, is that we were getting hurt on the outside now in terms of, you know, they were picking off us. And I, I'm sure they were using the handballs to, um, for that, those long handballs to clear the congestion. But, you know, they don't seem to be doing that, that this year. And they're using kicking, as I was saying last week, much more to move the ball forward. And, uh, you know, as I said, um, Kicking has the benefit of giving the the receiver two options. They can hold up should they think there's nothing to go, or they can release. But the handball, long handball, you know, doesn't give any other option other than you've got to keep the ball in motion. Um, but the so I mean, there were more sort of smaller chains of handballs, which was more like how we were playing in twenty one. Is that wave running and you sort of spread it, you know, out. Um, than there was against St Kilda and that, that then was the case last year. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's partly a response to how the opposition were looking to hurt us once we released the ball from a contested area last season. Um, but the point about the kicking is just spot on the kicking. <laughs> it's probably we were 80%. I almost fell off my chair when I was watching the, um, the game where right near the end of the first quarter, we were 80% disposal efficiency. They weren't too shabby either. They were 72%. Um, and I'm not sure what the, it ended up being, you know, I doubt it finished at 80%. Um, but some of the kicking was just sublime. Nibbler hit a couple of brilliant kicks. Um, Hunter's goal from left foot into the pocket, he was doing nothing but going for goal. He wasn't being greedy because yeah. he looked in board. Um, was just a thing of beauty. Um, t- Tom McDonald off two steps um, from the pocket when he got a sketchy free kick and just drilled that. That's a tight pocket down mm-hmm. at Casey. The wind comes through that gap as well. It was a beauty. And, and I was super. So, I mean, there were Bowie didn't hit a target. I remember I was saying last week the those critical 25, 40 meter kicks, particularly in the back half, because you turn them over um, and you're obviously giving the ball back in a dangerous spot, but you also lose control of the 
you know, the, the game and the momentum and the tempo, he didn't miss a thing. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not sure about you, but you see him collect the ball um, and I just have total confidence that he's going to hit a target. So, you know, that play, that role that Caleb Daniel, it's very similar, um, you know, and it's super, super important. Um, you know, they don't look much, those 20-metre kicks, 25-metre kicks, but you hit 100% of them as opposed to 60 or 70% that Gus or Rivers would do. Um, then, you, you know, that's a huge difference. in every time you don't um, turn it over is a – opportunity to create a scoring chain for your team and an opportunity to deny the opposition the ball and a scoring chain for them. So um, super, super impressive. And the other thing I have to say with the kicking two things is that um, I, th- I was really um, impressed with uh, Grundy's kicking for goal, really simple action, two or three steps. Um, also, you know, the second one that he, the first one where he kicked around the corner, look, that was a beautiful kicking action and Maxi's goal he flushed that dead straight also similar um only two steps sort of not too many moving parts just that and the final thing about kicking that i thought was interesting is i might be sort of imagining this but they seem to have sort of been working on a kick that isn't quite a kick to high kick to a pack and isn't quite a low drilled pass um sort of like a hybrid um in when they're kicking to the pools um in particular so there were a few to maxi where it was sort of to a pack situation, but um, Nibbler did one and I think Chandler or uh, Hunter as well, but a bit lower and flatter, quicker, but out in front of Maxi. Um, so, there, you know, um, and, all, you know, obviously needing to kick over the top of thing, we, um, over the top into holes. But I, th- I think that's one just to watch whether that's something we've been trying to do, kick to those tools advantage, but get it there quickly so that, you know, and I mean, makes sense, doesn't it? Because, quicker it gets there, the less opportunity there is for the opposition to zone off and, and get an extra to the contest and smash it away. So um, I couldn't be you know, more impressed with the kicking. I just love, as I've talked about a million times, I love good kicking. Yes, we've heard. Um, just yeah. in terms of Grundy um, and Grundy being a forward, um, there's a lot of talk of people saying, oh, he's not a forward, he can't, can't play forward. Was he ever tried as a forward, as in not as a forward, because he's obviously a ruckman, but as a resting forward, was he tried that at Collingwood or they just never, they just rested him on the bench and never tried him in that position? Because um, I, I don't know where this comes from, that he's not a forward because he's got a good kicking style for goal. Um, he didn't look awkward as Maxi can at times. Um, and yeah, I thought he, he's a good kick and a good mark. So uh, I'm just wondering where this he's not a forward comes from. Well, they said on the call that um, in answer to that question, actually, they said um, that he basically didn't play as a forward. Um, up they eighty percent ruck time. Um, yeah. That was um, how they what they said on the call. Collingwood about seventy to eighty percent of his time in the ruck, and I guess the rest of the time on the bench. Or um, so. Short answer is he's not played as yeah. a forward. He was the recipient of a couple of those low flat kicks. One in particular, that goal that set up the one where he turned around the corner was um, into the pocket, but it got there quickly and um, meant that he was um, able to just one-on-one and muscle the, the, the player out. I think that that's the, um, the thing that Grundy's going to give us, um, Jackson doesn't, is that you know he's, he's an elite ruckman. So he's going to win um, dangerous balls at stoppages around the ground, um, whereas 
Jackson isn't an, an elite ruckman, and and the point of difference, you know, that he gives, um, you know, when Maxi a chop out is that he's got a great leap, and some ruckman can struggle with that at the centre bounces. He, you know, it's a different look to Maxi, um, and also of course he's, you know, um, good below his ground as like that extra mid, but he's not an elite ruckman. But when Maxi leaves the contest and Grundy comes in, you've got another elite ruckman, and that's important. In a general sense, but it's even more important around the grounds because the other problem for um, as a ruckman for Jackson is that he's not strong enough yet to wrestle. At stoppages are all about wrestling the ruckman, you know, the throw in or you know a ball up around the ground. They they wrestle. Uh, he can't do that, and he can't really use his leap in that scenario either. So you know we've got now a ruckman who's you know going to chop out Maxi be good in the middle, but also be powerful around the ground. And he looks at this stage to be a more natural forward than Jackson. So, you know, I, I think that all things being equal, we've done really well out of that trade. Now. And to me, you know, it's a much more formidable duo than Jackson and Gorn. It is. I mean, obviously it's not as long-term as, as say, Jackson. So we've got to make hay while the sun shines and while we're in this window, yeah. utilise it to, to the max. Um, part yeah, of the pun. Well <laughs> and he, I mean, how old's um, Grundy now? Uh, 28, 29? Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, yeah. he's so, so he's, fit. Yeah. And, you know, like mm. he hasn't had – he's had some injuries, but they're not chronic knee. No. No, no, not no, like no. Um, um, Benny Brown, for instance. They don't seem to be that sort. So he could still play for another – Four five years at this level. Um, he's so he's Maxi 20, 28. Well, he'll be twenty nine in uh, April. There you go. Yeah. Like he could easily play for another four years, couldn't he? You know. Well, but the, look, they're both gonna. The way we play them might extend both of their careers just a little bit, whether it's one or two years. Uh, hopefully, so until the cavalry arrives, uh, when's Jeff White's son available yeah. to play? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Varel, uh, Varel looked, yeah. you know, I have my eye, Varel um, looked quite a prospect. So, you know, I know it's a challenge getting those younger players, but it's good that we've we, we've slowly got rid of our, what are they, the Category B, yeah. ex-basketballer slash Ruckman. So. Uh, Singer says, uh, clearly the Gorn-Grundy pairing is working so far, in particular with their forays up forward in both practice matches, three goals between them in the match, Simmons, six goals between them in the Pracky match. In addition, having the presence of one of them a kick behind the play whilst the other one is resting forward is a bonus as it is a strong marking presence down the line if the opposition gets the ball out of the forward line. He's got some something else to say, but in the between I'll just uh, jump in. Uh, being at the game, it was really nice to see when Max was when they were both on the ground, and, and uh, you know one of them was forward, the other one was really a kick behind the play up, sort of a half forward wing, and they were just picking it off when the ball would just get quickly kicked, as he mentions when the kick quick, uh, quick kick comes out of uh, a hurried kick comes out, we just had one of our ruckmen, whether it was Max or, or Grundy, just standing there. Uh, either by themselves or in a one-on-one -on -one contest. So, um, yeah, I love that being a, a kick behind the play when the others yeah, forward. The, uh, the synergy, it'll take them time to develop that synergy. Yep. But when they get there, one of the things I love about Maxi, he, he talked last season or maybe it was the previous year that Goody gives him the authority, if that's the right word, to decide when to rotate with Jackson and now presumably with yep. Grundy, when to, you know, where to play on the ground. And one of the things that's brilliant about Max is that he reads the game 
so well. He's a brilliant reader of the actual game of footy, but he also reads the the moments. Like he's he really is a great leader, a great skipper. But you know, he knows he seems to intuitively be able to read the vibe of a game, know when to push back if he needs to, or maybe take up a more aggressive um, positioning. Um, and so once him and um, Grundy get their, you know, really get that chemistry where they're sort of it's almost unconscious or subconscious the way that they play together. Um, it really means that they can, you know, fluidly change who's rucking at any given time, who pushes back, um, you know, and once they do get that, it becomes even another sort of um, weapon, I guess, um, but it really maximises, pardon the pun, Maxie's ability to do exactly what you said and, and be really influential. And, and I don't know whether, because I didn't, you know, obviously watch Collingwood um, enough to sort of get a sense, well, not, not as much as I watched the Ds anyway, but I'm not quite sure what, you know, role Grundy was playing. But if he's playing 80% of the time in the ruck, he's got much less limited ability to drop back in defence and 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 do what he's going to be doing at Melbourne to be able to push forward. So it might take him a little while to get used to that. But when he does, he's a smart fella and he probably reads the game um, really well as well. Then you've got two players who are making on-field decisions um, about where to place themselves that's going to, you know, most benefit um, the team. Um, you know, I think that I can see that working really well. And it's just, you know, it's so important, isn't it? The footy is really still kicked to a big pack and, and I don't either mark it or make sure the opposition don't mark it and then go to work at the foot of that contest. And that's where our smalls um, come in. That's our, you know, one wood is winning those contests. It's really if you, the number one thing for the Ds is winning contests, whether they're 40, 60 or 70, 30, we win them. Um, but we need to bring the ball to ground in order to give players the opportunity to win it. Maxi, Gorn, uh, sorry, um, Grundy, McDonald, Brown, all are creating contest and and all, if not marking it, bringing it to the ground um, in a predictable way um, that other, you know, the teammates can go to work at the, the base of that. Um, so super important, both of them, and I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how it plays out um, come the season. Uh, Singer goes on to say that uh, in the post-game thread, a, a, post, a Demoland poster, Old 55, posted the following hit-out statistics from the match, and I thought it would be interesting to hear Bimman's take on this. Um, so Richmond won the hit-outs on the day 37 to 24. That's a differential of 13. Nankervis 24, Soldo 13, Gorn 12, Grundy 11, T-Mac 1. Uh, you discussed before about how the clearances uh, were pretty much even on the day, 33 to Richmond, 32 to Melbourne. Centre clearances, Richmond won the day, 18 to 11, a differential of 7. But we won the stoppages around the ground, uh, 21 to 15, a differential of 6. Um, so, B-Man, I know that you have often said um, it's with the centre clearances, it's not necessarily... Uh, who gets the clearance? It's that post uh, post kick. Uh, who gets that clearance after that? Who gets the ball after that? Uh, uh, was there anything you noticed uh, in terms of clearances this week? Yeah, I think well, just those stats were really interesting, and just on their paper, it's a sort of just when you read them, uh, you'd think if you know, you might think, oh, they killed us in the ruck. Um, but immediately after that, in the um, in the podcast thread, there's a um, I think Viper Crunch put up. 
um, the stats around hit outs to advantage and we we won the hit outs to advantage by six or seven. So, yeah. you know, it's really not about how many hit outs you get. It's about what happens. Um, so, you know, again, a couple of things for the Ds, not against Richmond because Richmond don't bring an extra to the um, um, contest, but say the Sydney Swans, Carlton, Brisbane Lion, amazingly, they bring an extra to the um, to the stoppage. Um, and with, the, you know, obviously the goal to increase the likelihood they win that stoppage, um, we don't. And so we have an extra player somewhere. That extra player um, is, is usually in defence and we put pressure, still enough pressure if they do win it, um, to turn it over at the half-back flank and bounce it from there. And that happened, you know, uh, scores from turnover in this game. I think we... Um, I think we scored maybe six goals from the back half in transition, or or something like that, which is just fantastic. In um, um, you know, in a game of footy, that's a big part of that. Is even when we lose the stoppage clearance, um, putting enough pressure on it, so they are forced to do that dump kick. And then you know, again, this is a team that we've modelled um, ourselves after in terms of that sort of kick. Um, and you know, they still couldn't stop it, and we just went to work. You know, we we brought it to ground, intercept Mark, give it to Bowie and smash, we're away. We're outnumbering down back, moving the ball quickly with aggressive kicks into the corridor, which was fantastic. Um, you know, so the, the other thing is the stat that I'd really like to know um, in that, it, well, as you say, post-clearance is um, the critical one. And so those examples of losing it and then winning the the post, um, the next one is what, what, what you were referring to. Um, but the other one is how many scores you get directly from um, a stoppage, from a clearance. That's really the critical one. It's not the the totals. It's the, you know, how how what sort of quality are they? Um, and, you know, they're obviously putting an emphasis on quality. And that's, again, that question about the setups in the centre square and around the ground. And, you know, the other thing that I think, um, you know, is it means that if you're confident of winning good quality clearances, you can afford um, to have players like Hunter set up in an aggressive um, position. So by that I mean like on the offensive side of that contest Um, because if, you know, you've got your spare back to protect if they win it, but if we win it, we can set up um, our players in um, um, good positions like they use track for, but they'll use Hunter increasingly for this get it to them and, you know, we're away to the races. So, um, you know, it really is, a, it's all about the quality. Speaking of the quali- quality of the clearances. Speaking of quality clearances, how was Clary's uh, clearance when he just kept going and going and going? It really deserved a goal <laughs> and almost was. Yeah. <laughs> we should have given it off though, really. He probably should have. There was a couple. <laughs> I, and I wonder whether it's, a, I mean, maybe they've, who knows, maybe they've been given a team instruction to, Go for goal more often. I do, well, also burn a couple of um, people going for goal in a similar situation. There were, but there were also a lot of very unselfish plays when I'd, I I was were, just screaming, yeah. "Have a shot!" There was one yeah. time Rivers went in track, ran in, and have a have a ping, and he ambles it yeah. off. There was a lot of I don't know if it's unselfish or they were trying to do the team thing or just because it was a pracky match. I don't know. Yeah. What, what was uh, Oliver's numbers in the end? Uh, I th- it, it looks like he's playing at three-quarter thingo and, and, and suddenly, yeah, it's a, I mean, I guess be spoiled for riches in terms of track and Ollie and uh, Viney, but, um, uh, you know, he, he's 31. just seems to rack him up. Uh, 31, but track 32. <sighs> yeah. 
uh, Oliver, eight, uh, and miraculously, look at Oliver's stats, 18 kicks, 13 handballs. It's usually right. the opposite yeah. way around. He did, I noticed well, he did him. kick a lot. I, mean, I think that sort of goes, uh, we're kicking, what was the total kick number? Have you got them? Because... I As think, you know, team, we're kicking more often kicking. than handballing, which is, doesn't seem to be the trend across the AFL. I did see that. Uh, yeah, kicks uh, 228 to 190. Uh, and then handballs, they had 147 to 156. They had more handballs. So that's a pretty big difference, isn't it, statistically mm. between ham, our handballs and our ratio to kick. And, you know, across the AFL, it's generally closer to 50-50. So, um, you know, what's that, 60-40 or something? Mm. Um, it speaks to the way we want to play, which is controllable and, you know, still move forward. Um, but, you know, kicking, hitting targets, it really gives you the option to control a game that, um, you know, you you want to be in control of when the ball's in motion as opposed to it just being in motion all the time. Uh, it's When it's in motion all the time, it's you can't really control the game and it's a bit of a raffle. They're, they're better games to watch um, if you're a neutral fan, um, but it sort of doesn't, uh, jibe with Goody's philosophy of you know playing the percentages and controlling the the, the way the game's played. Our good friend uh, Terence in Belgium asks, uh, when will the commentators give us the respect they clearly have for Richmond? So much of the commentary was about Martin Bolton, even a comment about Nan Kerfus being a great pickup for Richmond. Uh, are we destined to be treated as somewhat something less than? Your thoughts? I don't think so. I. I... Personally, I think the general vibe that I've heard from commentators, I haven't, you know, is a bit like, well, geez, the D's are looking good. I mean, it's so they are looking good. <laughs> so I think that, um, you know, I guess Tigers have won three flags in the yeah. last five years. Yeah. They deserve a bit of um, exactly. success, uh, sort of credit, don't yep. they? Um, but personally, as they're saying, I think, you know, Suddenly, Rewalt looks a bit old. Cochin looks a bit old, and hopefully, mm-hmm. he gets a week for. No, the, he didn't. Bit of play. You, you uh, mustn't be up. He got fined. Right. Uh, well, you know, suddenly those older players, and then Nan Curvis doesn't look the the player he was, and you know, uh, you know, I give it three weeks, four weeks, a couple of losses, and the Tiger fans will come for the decision for Rewalt for playing another year, for mm. instance. You know, selfish keeping a young player out, that sort of yeah. stuff, and. Um, so, no, I mean, I'm not sure. I think that we'll get our credit this year, you know, sustained success. There's always the historical thing about Melbourne, you know, and bottom line is that we went out in straight sets yeah. for whatever reason and last year is that we deserve to be under under the pump and under pressure really. And, uh, and I guarantee you if we have another bumper start to this year, they'll be, oh, well, you know, there might yeah. be 10 and 1 or 10 and zip or 11 and 2, whatever. Can we trust them? We'll still yeah, have exactly, that all year. So we, yeah. we've got to put the runs on the board ourselves. Uh, Royal Demon says, uh, first of all, thank you for covering these preseason games. It really is great to have you back talking about the Ds. I cannot wait for the season to start and I hope we can make up for last year's, last year's disappointing end. Um, my question for the panel, is the Rivers in the midfield experiment over? In the match sim game last week, Rivers attended a number of centre bounces, but this week he only attended one. It didn't appear that he was involved in many of the around-the-ground stoppages as a true mid either and seemed to be back playing his usual half-back rebounding role. I get that the preseason games are a chance to throw the magnets around the board a little bit and that is why we got to see him play some midfield minutes in the match sim after being teased about this new role by our track watchers. 
I also get that this week's practice match was probably more of a true reflection of how we are going to play come the real stuff in a fortnight. Having said that, I would still love to see Rivers in the middle a little bit more, especially because we still did have a variety of players attend centre bounces this week with Clary 20, Harms 20, Track 15, Cozzy 13, Sparrow 12, Nibbler 7. B-Man, is the uh, Rivers midfield experiment over? We were raving about it last week, and I, I feel that it might have been taken away from us all just all too soon. <laughs> it's a good name for a band, the, <laughs> the Rivers midfield experiment. Maybe a bit <laughs> wordy, but I, I, I do wordy, so that's all right. Um, uh, well, look, I think the way that they're going to use players like him and even Gus and is really that sort of pinch hit. random, put them in, pinch hit, as much as anything to disrupt the opposition plans who have had two years of going to work on the way we set up. Um, for me, that's what it's more about. I don't think that the fact that he only went to one is any indication that they won't use him. Well, I was That was really interesting, those stats. I'm not sure where um, um, he got them from or, uh, or she, Royal Demon, um, the uh, attending centre bounces because I was amazed that Harms uh, attended 20. I'm pretty that's, sure... That's, I'm pretty sure the stats on the AFL site, uh, I'll have to find it, um, list, list and about attendances. Um, yeah, keep going. Yeah, so I, look, I was really surprised in that that number. Viney comes back into that team. That's going to, um, you know, that's going to make it harder for Harms to get a run there. But it shows what, what they're thinking about Harms's role. Yep. And the other one that's interesting in those numbers is seven um, centre um, uh, uh attendances or whatever you call yeah, them yeah. for Nibbler, which is probably more than he had for whole of last season combined, I would have thought. How many times would have he been to the centre? I don't know. I'm just saying you do on the AFL uh, app, uh, you go on to, you know, into the match centre, go onto the players, click the player's name, scroll right down, and that's one of the uh, things, centre bounce attendances. Uh, right. Incidentally, Brayshaw, who I've got now, had four. Four. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, look, it's... For back to Rivers, I think they'll use use him as a you know throw it in there as a wild card that that you know as opposed to a regular um, midfield. Uh, doesn't it show just with his kicking and also Gus is doesn't it stand out when you know you've got better kicks around them in the you know when they make a clangor, um, it really becomes more evident. Um, but you know he he does. He's better when he's kicking at 60 metres. Yeah, well, Rivers, Rivers' strength is that booming kick yeah. uh, out of defence or booming kick into the forward line when we yeah. need to get it there quick. Uh, six, 640MD asks, uh, how about an analysis of Wo Woden's work compared to the other younger players? Five touches, two marks, one tackle, on only a short time on the ground. Impressive, uh, question mark. Um for me, for me, I, I liked what I saw in the very short amount of time that we got to see him play. Uh, 640MD asked um, to compare him to other young players and I guess the best comparison would be a comparison uh, with the other debutante, for want of a better word, uh, in Bailey Laurie, who played more minutes and had six touches and a tackle. Uh, personally, I was more enthused by Wowie's game. Uh, it was late in the match and he was a, s- a set of fresh legs on a very hot afternoon. Um, uh, I was a little bit underwhelmed with Laurie's game. If I had to pick one that I'd like to see more of, then for me, it's Wowie uh, B-Man. What are your thoughts uh, on my yeah, Woden was, and Laurie, I guess? 
bit disappointing for Laurie's sake in terms of, you know, I guess they gave the club gave him an opportunity to plant a bit of a flag and it's hard to say he, he took it. He did that nice tap on, which was really clever yep, and, yep. and helped set up a scoring. But, um, yeah, it wasn't a – he didn't really play to his strengths. He hit some targets but also turned it over a couple of times in those six kicks from memory or maybe I'm being a bit hard on him. But – um, but Wowie, I thought, um, you know, one thing is later in the game and they were flagging, the Tigers mm. were flagging. Mm. So it was, um, uh, don't underestimate how hot it was. It was a hot yeah, afternoon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we've played um, two, so he's come on fresh. We've played two hot games in a row yeah. in a week. So, Which yeah. I'm Selwyn, I'm going to um, call him now. I don't actually know if that's the truth, but like, <laughs> you know, I'm sure Selwyn would love the fact it's in the heat. There's yeah, yeah, some yeah. theory around it. But, um, you know, Wowie, I like the way the, you know, he looks a natural winger, doesn't he? Um, yep. He's got stronger. He looks so much like his dad. Yeah. Um, but it's weird because he's a um, right footer. So, um, you know, he should dye his hair and start kicking <laughs> left foot. But um, the thing that I, I thought was impressive about him, actually, and it goes to my point about the importance, you know, they're so easy to miss when a chain score, potential scoring chain breaks down. You don't, sometimes you don't think about that as being the sort of, mistake in the same way as you do when a player misses a shot for goal or you they turn it over, you know, deep in defence and cost a goal. But you know, the reality is if a scoring chain breaks down because of a simple mistake, it's one less score that you can do, one more score that the opposition can do. And of those six, he had probably had a couple of score um, involvements. And I think they define score involvements as any connection in the chain um, you, you're involved in uh, Nibbler was off the charts um, in uh, on the weekend, but um, a few times while we we had scoring chains go down the ground, and he was part of that chain. It's easy to say, well, it's pretty standard to get the handball off or hit a target, but we know as these fans how often that those scoring chains break down through just poor execution, um, which he didn't do. I thought he was really neat. He ran hard. Um, he he looked. Well, if it was a direct comparison with Laurie, he looks ahead of Laurie. I wouldn't have. I would have thought just on that showing. Um, D Minion wants to know. Keen to hear your thoughts on how you thought our forward line functioned. We once again kicked over a hundred points. Three goals to T Mac. Three goals apiece to the resting rucks. Only one goal to Benny Brown from a free kick. People in the post match thread were critical of Ben Brown. Uh, keep up the great work. Um, for me, with Ben Brown, I think it's still important to keep him in the team. He's going to take away their best, one of their best uh, defenders, a, a tall defender at that because he's got those long arms. If we kick to his advantage a little bit more, um, he's going to get free kicks. He's got to get his arms chopped um, off, um, you know. Yeah, I, I think I, – I'm not well, particularly now with McDonald in the team, with Grundy pushing forward and swapping with Max, who both, you know, remarkably six kicked six <laughs> goals between them at half time, I think, wasn't it? Yep. Like, you yep. know, Grundy had three goals at half time yep. and they kicked six between them in the end, albeit one of them was Joe the Goose. Yeah, I don't, yeah. 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 But um, I think, you know, so it's different to last season. You're not relying on Benny Brown to kick your score. You're exactly right. He takes, a, you cannot do anything but put a really good, very tall defender on him and how many um, very good Not tall many. defenders do opposition teams have? You put a third um, rate on him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. He will, he will chop that's right. So you've got to put a decent player on him. 
as a noted, if they hopefully they they um, don't go backwards, which they seem to do every year with umpiring, you know, they, they say they'll be tough on oh. this, and then by round three oh. they've forgotten. It. I so, forgot to say when you were talking about the umpiring, and if they do this, they're not going to. They'll be different yeah, well, in five minutes. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> but the other thing is just from a structural point of view, when he's the one out and McDonald not playing, that it be it, it's not. It's really last year was about well, was he going to kick us a winning score? But now he's a piece, you know, he can go back to being important structurally, just like Tom, Tommy Mack is. And so, you know, it's not just the fact that he takes the, a, a very good tall defender to, to man up on him. It means that you can set up your structure around, you know, kicking to that contest, knowing that it'll be brought to the ground. And again, um, having the, the forwards put pressure on the when the ball hits the ground. So he's not going out of that team as picket fences made the point a number of times in the track watchers thread how fit and up and you know running he is and and i um, think i recall correctly him saying that he's been his best trainer and most impressive forward um so you know I, I, this in the training period so he's not going anywhere um you know he kicked the goal um and you know he, he structurally I, I think is super important um, he had to deal with the fact that he didn't have any hair. So <laughs> that's, I thought. I thought when but, I saw when I saw him uh, doing the warm up in the pregame, I just saw this guy and I thought, "Who's this skinny Casey guy they've got running around?" Yeah, he looks pretty him. skinny, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he just looked like but, some random Casey caught ringing. <laughs> yeah, the just on the forward line. So I, I think it. The other thing is their patterns. People will be pleased to see, you know, a lot of people were critical about, um, you know, the model of kicking to the pocket. Um, and we talked about that quite a few times over the last couple of years. They'll still continue to do that when there's not another kick, but they're clearly kicking to the top of the goal square. Yeah, we're, often. Not, we're not doing Great. what we did last year, rest assured. Yeah, yeah no, we will We will <laughs> yeah. win at the percentage. Yeah. I mean, we did. We got three goals, four yep. goals from kicking mm-hmm. to the pocket. Um, uh, Grundy kicked a goal when it was kicked to the pocket. Um, T-Mac kicked a goal. In, in fact, I reckon we probably got Hunter was that was from the pocket, not that it was kicked to him. But we got probably four or five goals of the ball kicking being kicked long deep to the pocket. So it's not like they're going to um, no. get rid of it, but they're definitely being more offensive in where they're putting it. Um, that does create the risk of turning it over, but they're prepared to, to um, you know, they've adjusted that risk-reward um, and it makes it makes you a bit more unpredictable as well. It does, but that's where those kicks that I was talking about come in, where they're, they're coming in a bit flatter and harder, mm. which is tricky when you're still going over the top. But that, that's clearly something that they seem to be working on. Get mm. it in quick. Don't allow players to come in and hold Maxi. Um, he took a beautiful mark on the lead, by the way, where it seemed to be sort of like right with the player. He almost seemed to take it over the top mm. of his head, the, the, the goal he kicked. Um, but just on the foot, the, the the, the, that sort of more aggressive play and, and our forward line, you know, they seem the synergy seems to be building. It's really important to note that um, um, Fritch isn't in that team. Yeah, he's our best forward, and yeah. there's a question about who's the most underrated player in the yeah. AFL or in our team. It's got to be Fritch. I mean, he's been our best forward by a mile for the for the last two seasons. There's no argument about that. I wouldn't have thought so. And how not d- just on the scoreboard, it's just his his ability to to be involved, to hit the target, to take his chances, um, mark one-on-one. He, he is the real deal. So if he was playing this week, I mean, first of all, it just adds another uh, another layer to, to our dismantling of, of Richmond. But how does it work, how does that forward line work the way it was set up this week with Fritch in the mix? Did, did Grundy and, and, and 
go and not go in as much? As well, like, I, how do I you see whether, it working? I'd have to look again at the replay, but I, I wonder whether Chandler was playing. We've got a question Fritch, about Chandler's Fritch's Fritch's role but, uh, and sort of leading. So I think maybe a bit, it's yeah. a swap. So, yeah. you know, I don't think, like, in some respects, it just creates another headache for the opposition because you've got to put it. He's so good one on one, marking mm. Fritch. It's such an underrated part of his game. He reads the ball well and he uses his body just brilliantly to keep um, the his opponent away from the drop zone. He, he's fantastic. I just think he's the, a, a brilliant footballer. So he's another player you can't afford to be putting your, yep. you know, you need a good defender yep. on him and not you can't put a small on him either because he marks so well that you've yep. got to put him at least a medium. So, um, you know, he he's a big weapon. But so I think, you know, they're certainly evolving 100 points twice. Um, but as I heard Goody say um, during the week, is when asked about being more aggressive and, and you know, it looks like we'll, we will be looking to be more aggressive. He was quick to say, yes, but but yeah. defence is still yeah, the critical yeah. thing. Our game, quote, unquote, our game is based on defence. It's defence first. It's such a critical part of his philosophy about football. Um, and, and I think it's important too because, um, you know, in terms of the offense, again, to reinforce that offense so often starts from our defense. It's that all team defense. But how many goals did, you know, I think it was six goals we got from transition from our back half, which is an absolute KPI for um, Goody, is the way to put pressure on the kick coming inside 50, turn it over, run it up the ground, create an out number, and get it into a forward line as quick as possible. And then they can go to work. But that all starts from the um, defense. Um, so, you know, it was interesting just the way he was quick to basically to pivot to, well, no, we're still defense is the most important thing is what he said. Well, it is. Have a look. We, we mostly keep teams to 60, then the 70s, very rarely into the 80s, 90s, and, and hundreds is unheard of these days against us. So yep. if we can keep that and still kick, look, we've kicked 100 twice. Um, yeah. And it was a practice game, so yeah. Goody, you know, he's probably a pretty grumpy bugger, but he would have been pretty unhappy with, even though they got to mm. 70 points, yeah. they got at least three easy goals that he would have been annoyed at. Yeah, they were. Um, where they ran it out of the square quickly or, you know, there was a mistake from us. So, um, yeah, he, you know, there will be, you know, 60, 70 points, you know, so that will be a big metric for him is keeping, you know, I think the, They'll pick a number, but it'll be 60 and 70. You know, mm. Don't let the opposition get any more than 70 points. If We'll win every game we play if, if we can keep the opposition to 70 points. I reckon Maisie would be 60 and lower. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, they won't want that to get out. They'd be a bit annoyed that it got out last year, that number that they picked. Mm. Remember that, 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 so that was just one more thing last year yeah, that yeah, yeah. You know, would have annoyed them. Um, okay, so sticking with the forwards, uh, Kiwi D says, love your work, guys. Just on Chandler, how did you see his game? Certainly had the opportunity to make a massive claim for a round one berth with one goal three, which easily could have been four goals. Didn't have massive numbers with seven disposals, but he did take four marks, which is good for a small forward. And as mentioned, could have booted four. Where does Chandler sit in your calculations for the Bulldogs game? B-man, you sort of alluded to the fact that maybe it's a straight swap for um, Bailey Fritch, which is unlucky for Chandler, but uh, Fritch, <laughs> as you said, the most underrated player in the AFL, you can't keep him out. So where, where does Chandler sit in your calculations? Well, uh, a bit will depend on... Um, Given Cozzy's going to play a bit in the midfield, so you need... Yeah, the, I mean, I, I think 
just with Chan, I, I think he's um, he's clearly there and thereabouts in the best 22. It's, it's going to be a tough team to get into. He, he looks in good nick. You know, I, he's got – I know he kicked um, poorly on the weekend, but he's got a really neat kicking action um, that's, you know, going to stand the test of time, I think. Um, it's a super hard position as we've, you know, how often have we talked about Cozzy um, only getting five or six possessions, particularly in his first season, you know, and it being, you know, that small forward is about the toughest role in footy, I reckon, in terms of, you know, it's feast or famine and usually famine. Um, so it's all about pressure. You know, our forward pressure is um, RP um, FC actually pointed out last year, a number of times in the first half was well off. Um, and so he's, you know, I don't know what pressure he was, um, what his numbers were pressure-wise, but his pressure is generally really good. The the question will be, you know, partly on round one, as for round one, they may not play um, Fritch. They might play him through the reserves, given he hasn't played either of the practice games. Um, it'll be interesting because a little bit depends on, you know, where his injury's at. Who'd know from what the club says about injuries, much to my frustration. So... I think there's every chance that they won't. The same might go for Viney. They might run him through Casey as well. Um, so, you know, going forward, you know, I think that he's got that small forward position with Cozzy. It's just, a, you know, how do you fit them all in, I guess? Though, I mean, Fritch comes back in when he's fit and firing, obviously. So who goes out is the query. Okay, now we're on to the back line in the home stretch. Um, I'll read the next few questions out and then you can answer them as a whole because I feel there might be some overlap as they pertain to who we think will get those coveted small defender roles. So he goes, Radelaide says, great to have the potty back for the se- for season 2023. How did you view Judd McVie's game this week? He was the talk of the town last week after the match simulation against the Saints. He got his hands on the ball a fair bit and seemed very composed for a first gamer. Uh, this week, he was given the daunting task of lining up on one of the modern game's greatest players in Brownlow medalist and three times Norm Smith medalist, Dusty Martin. He was outbodied illegally, I might add, as there is photographic evidence of his jumper being pulled harder than a nun's stare in Sunday school. Uh, Judd wasn't as prolific this week with a, a game low four disposals and one mark. Is he still a lock for round one? A Bigfoot then says, Welcome back, fellas. Great to have the podcast back in weekly rotation. I'd like to sing the praises of Jake Bowie for a moment. Clearly, he fell out of favour last year, and I think it was Binman last week who mentioned that it would probably... Uh, it was probably more from a development perspective than anything else, but boy, oh boy, has he come back with a vengeance and stamped his card for round one. 19 posies and his disposal is just elite. 100% disposal efficiency, chef's kiss. Uh, then McQueen says, we seem to be swamped with running backs now. Is Hibbard still in the frame or has Bowie, Rivers, Brayshaw, Salem and even McVie now in front of him? So B-Man, I guess, firstly, Judd McVie's game, is he still a lock for round one? Secondly, uh, there's no question that Jake Bowie is a lock for round one. And thirdly, where does that leave Hibbert? Is he still in the frame? Uh, Working back from Hibbo, he's definitely still in the frame. Um, But, you know, it's interesting hearing the way they talk about these games. This is the ones, and I've heard them talk about the training and the, you know, this is, uh, he's not going to be in the round one team. Uh, Like he won't have been played two Casey games essentially and come in. So yeah, it's, a big, it it's a big statement it not to play him. So that tells you everything yeah. you need to know there. Well, I mean, I think it's such a tough, you know, call is, um, you know, he's 
over the journey, one of the silliest things on Demon Land is all of the palaver about, you know, Melksham having <laughs> photos of Goody or some such and, you know, Hibbo being an old mate of Vim. But, um, you know, I've I've made the error of, um, of as we talked about yep. last week, of underestimating where he's at. He, yep. You know, he'll he's the sort of player who will come in, take his chance when it comes in. But at the mm-hmm. moment it would appear exactly yep. as McQueen notes, he's behind a few. As for McVeigh, I, I 100% think he's a lock for round one. Um, and, in fact, even though it was a low possession um, um, game, you know, that's he, you know, I mean, I don't know where Dusty's at, but Dusty didn't have a great game. No. I think that was, you know, that I, I didn't see that um, hold until I saw that photo. Yeah, I didn't but, see it either. You know, I just saw the photo. Yeah. But, I mean, who? how many players at AFL level are going to um, be able to outmark Dusty one-on-one when it's kicked? It was a perfect kick that allowed him to hold him in front of the contest. Who's going to win, you know? Yeah, I don't expect – wouldn't win that. I don't expect any of our players to have uh, – No, exactly. And so there were a few things McVeigh did. He's He's got really good – he seems he's got that knack of um, of using the ball in a clever way and getting himself out of trouble really well. Um, there was a couple of examples. So what was really telling, though, is that they elected to play him on Dusty the week after that they elected to play him on um, Higgins. They're two senior AFL players. Yeah. Higgins is what? He must be yeah. mid, mid-20s. He must have played 150 games at AFL. Um, and, you know, so that suggests to me is not only is that he's, you know, he's likely to be lining up at halfback flank, but maybe it's that play that they've got him in mind for, which is that medium, Dusty's not, he's a bit bigger than Higgins, but, you know, the player that we have trouble with that we were talking about last year, we've got trouble covering, um, you know, those sort of marking a player like Paplik, he's the, the player in my mind yep. who we, yep. we really exactly. struggle with. Um, you know, since Jets has left, we don't have a player that, you know, Hibbo's strong enough and he's he did a great job, Hibbo, playing that role last year but got found out a little bit a couple of times, which is, you know, it's not really his go. So I wonder whether they've earmarked um, McVeigh for that role and then to push off that player when he gets the opportunity to and use that, um, you know, he's um, really good kick. So um, short answer is yes. Yeah, I, I think he's a lock for round one. Which makes which makes sense playing him on that. There's baptism by fire. They've thrown him in the deep end and this yeah. is what you're going to come up against in a couple of weeks. And it's a pretty big message, isn't it, mm-hmm. to, to have him line up on um, Dusty. Oh, they knew. They, yeah. they put him there on purpose. Um, but again, no not wanting it. to make this a Tigers show, that'd be another concern of mine. You know, how... How focused is Dusty? You know, he's such an he in all three years they won the premiership. I mean, he won the Norm Smith. Did he win the Norm Smith in each of those? He games? won all three. I mean, um, there's that's ridiculous. Question so, that, you know, the uh, Hawley should have won one of them, but anyway, yeah, he's our maxi, isn't he? And so yeah. if he's not play, if he's playing at seventy percent of that level, you've got Cochin, you've got Rewalt, you've got you know my mm. least favourite player, who's I'm not sure why I'm including in it, Lynch, <laughs> in that group. He's a pretty good. Um, but you know, you know, you've got three of the first three who, uh, on the back end of their career, it's still in their best twenty-two. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a bit of a worry for them. Yeah, just in regards to Lynch, I, I heard that uh, they just found him inside um, Stephen May's shorts from the uh, other day <laughs> when they were uh, emptying their washing machine. Um, and Bowie, Jake Bowie, a lock. Uh. <laughs> oh, is it? And just the way it's—he's another player who he, in some ways, similar to Fritch in the sense that he's smaller than your 
you know, say your average halfback flanker, thin, not just sort of height-wise. He doesn't, you know, he, he looks pretty light. Um, but he uses his body so well in marking contests. And, you know, he's he, he has an ability one-on-one um, that just speaks to a natural um, footballer. It's amazing to think that he played his junior footy um, as a mid-half forward. Um, he didn't play, as I understand it, he played barely any um, junior footy at halfback flank. So really kudos to the club because they've identified his skill set and that's where they've put him. Um, and he just looked up absolutely agree. He just looked awesome in that game. And to think we've got Salem coming back into that back line as well. Um, yeah, you know, going back to Hippo, he's it's going to be a tough old gig to get into that um, back line. And, you know, the other one is that's not mentioned in um, by McQueen is where does that leave Tomlinson? I mean, Tomlinson's a big, so he's not that sort of small halfback flank, but he's going to find it mightily hard to get back into that team as well. Uh, El Diablo 14 has uh, two quick questions. Um, uh, is it better to use Grundy more in the forward 50 while Max goes more to support our back line? I feel Grundy is a better goal kicker than Max. Um, no, I, th- yeah, look. I think that, you know, that's it'll be a bit what I was saying before is that, it, you know, Maxi will decide where's best for him in the flow of mm. the game. Um, you know, there's it, it really is about where the game's at at a particular mm. point, the momentum. Um, you know, that's what he's good at reading is being able to maybe it's time to push back or, um, you know, he, I, I think I agree Grundy looks a better forward. But having said that, Maxi, you know, flushed that ball. Mm. Um, he's dead straight, none of his curl that he's had. Um, and look, we, so. we, we haven't been tested in the two games that we've practiced matches, but we haven't been tested in terms of scoreboard pressure. I imagine if if we're down or whatever, you might see Gorney go back a little bit and help out uh, in defence. Yeah. Uh, but if all things are going well, I think we're going to be just resting him, rotating him in the forward line. Um, and he would have been thrilled to get a couple of free kicks from the umpires for in you know, marking infringements. So let's hope it. He always gets clipped on. on the head. They really. And oh, he does. He got clobbered again, yep. didn't he? he? And he turned around to the whoever clobbered him. Yeah. I think it was Nan Curvis yeah. and. Gave him a bit of a look and a look at the umpires. One of the things I love about Maxi is when the opposition um, in a a ruck contest get a free kick. There was one man Curvis got, I think. (laughs) His look of absolute sort of bemusement probably uh, towards the umpire. They're worth their their weight in metaphorical gold. but It just cracks me up. Um, and uh, the other question we sort of uh, touched on, who's the most underrated player on our list? I feel Fritsch uh, gets almost no love around the league. He's easily a top eight forward. Um, yeah, he really doesn't. Well, he's number kick. two. Number one, of course, is Nibbler. He's got to be the most underrated footballer in the AFL. He was fantastic on the weekend. Um, and after my spirited defence of him last week, you know, he, he heard the call and um, he was just, <laughs> He was everywhere. Even the commentators who were shocking at underrating him, you know, were noting that he brought his own share and he kicked goals, he hit targets. I don't know what he – have you got his score involvement, Sandy, there, Andy? I don't know if the – 32. Uh, uh, he had 32 uh, score involvements. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he was terrific. Does the AFL app, this one on the phone, have no, – it doesn't. The – you have to wait till the year starts and I'll get... Oh, no, score involvement's nine. Well short nine. of the 32. Um, but nine, and I think I also read... So that's nine. That, I mean, nine is nothing to sneeze at score involvement for a half-forward who's pushing back hard and essentially being a half-back 
flanker as well. Um, I think I read that uh, Maxi had nine score involvements, which is bananas for um, a ruck. Does that include his own scores? Because he kicked three goals too. Uh, I think it does. He's had four. Good score involvement. Yeah. Well, four. Four others. Still, <laughs> no, no, whatever. I'm not it's still nine score involvements. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that that makes Nibbler's score involvements even more impressive because he only kicked one goal. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Roos two, uh, Roos two contends that the intensity. And this we were talking about this before. The intensity was great, but it's a hell of a long season. Yeah, I was thinking about that in terms of our approach to um, last season. I wonder if last season the plan was not to be too intense in the preseason, or uh, you know, to keep a lid on it to a certain degree, um, an early part of the season for fear of burning out later in the season after. The emotion of the flag and all the related palaver, like you know the the, um, the big thing at the MCG in December, and then of course the shorter preseason, and it was even shorter than normal um, um, for other flag con- um, uh, contenders because this last season went into October, of course, in twenty one. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know the approach of the opposition in the first half of the season also would have fed into that sort of vibe of low intensity given so many teams elected to basically just try and deny us the footy uh, and not attack at all. Like the best example was that Port game, which was, you know, they barely bothered crossing the halfway line for half a game of footy. Um, And we were happy to let them do that um, and focus, you know, just focus on our um, defensive aspect. And you remember Goody saying, we don't care how much we win by or, you know, uh, and it was almost as if they were, really working on that aspect at the sort of, you know, and not worrying about the attacking. But that led to a lot of low-energy games, didn't it, where it just, you know, there wasn't that buzz. Um, you know, as I noted, RPFC uh, said, you know, through the first half of last season and other posters as well, quite a number of other posters, that their forward half pressure was down in that first half of mm-hmm. last season. Maybe that was partly a function also of consciously dialing things back a bit to avoid burnout and get through the season. As I noted before, I'm glad we start the season with some serious opponents because we'll have to play with, you know, really good intensity to win them. Um, and I suspect, and at least I hope, that in the games against the less strong opposition, we'll be more likely to be proactive and 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 not let them just chip it around in their back half like we did so often last year. Um, though, you know, you watch heaps of those teams, those middle-rung teams will still rely on flooding our forward line, which makes for pretty crappy, stodgy footy. Um, so I really like the approach we're taking, um, but as as the, the comment is that it's a long, long season um, and, you know, hopefully they haven't allowed that intensity pendulum to swing too far the other way. Um, and again, like last season, the, you know, the proof, we won't know until come um, the end of the season. So, you know, but maybe those things like rotating the players through the midfield, keeping them fresh, having Grundy coming in as a new way of, you know, all of those things are energising. They're giving players like Nibbler and Cozzy and Rivers new new looks at the game and, and maybe that's part of it. To, you know, maybe part of last year, one of the things that it was the sort of, maybe the physical intensity was okay, but the psychological intensity um, was not quite there. And, um, you know, so maybe all of those strategies are part of, you know, the exercise to keep the players mentally sort of attuned. Um, and that's the general vibe I've got, you know, from fans as well, from reading Demon Land, from you, from players I've heard, the coaches, is that they're super excited about this season. They can't wait. They, you know, they owe something from last year. Um, you know, that seems to be the energy they're taking into it, which 
wasn't quite the same last year. You know, we're coming off the flag, and um, so you know. But it is. I think it's a really good point. It's a it's a super long season. You know, it's it's three seasons, isn't it? It's this first ten games. And then it's the, you know, the middle period of the year where things are difficult. Then it's the, you know, the last two or three games and the finals. And as Goody talks about all the time, the finals are a whole season um, by themselves. So, you know, in terms of how hard this game is aerobically, physically, mentally, it's a, you know, it's incredibly difficult sport to play for at that level for six months. Well, I think we're going to leave it there. I want to thank you to Lazy RPFC, Viper Crunch, Lefty, Roger, Melly, D, Old Fart, Delightful Play, 3183D, Singer, Royal Demon, 640MD, D Minion, Kiwi D, Radelaide, Bigfoot, McQueen, El Diablo 14 and Roos 2. Uh, thank you to Noah for, uh, for leaving a voicemail for us and we'll get to your other question next week. Uh, thank you to uh, my co-host Binman, and don't forget our interview with Brody Grundy will drop later this week. It might already be available if you're listening to this after Thursday. If you're listening to this live or before Thursday and you want to ask a question of Brody, leave a comment in the Brody Grundy interview thread on demonland.com. We'll be back next Monday for our massive season 2023 preview show. We'll be rejoined by Demonland veteran George, who'll be back fresh from holidays. If you have a question or comment relating to the demons in 2023 that you want us to answer, then head on over to demonland.com. Look out for the season 2023 preview podcast thread. Drop your question for the panel there. You can also leave us a voicemail at 039016. Three triple six, and don't worry, nobody answers, so don't get shy on us. Join us live next week at eight thirty p.m. on Monday, or find us wherever you get your podcast from. Go demons! Relegas. Come on, demons! Come on.